So this morning's message, um, as we walk through, I want us to think about this message in, I've been thinking about this message being a very inward-focused message, meaning how do I receive these words inwardly as I express my um, respect for, love for, disagreement with, even some of the challenges that I live in, in relationships with others, what is my attitude Today, what is my attitude as we walk through, you know, the the social media posts of the day? What is my attitude as I hear things say, uh, hear people say that I might think are ridiculous? They think they're valid. They appreciate them. They think they're absolutely appropriate to say. I think they're ridiculous. So, how do I live into um, my attitude? How do I live into my interaction with people around me? in a way that is godly. Because certainly, um, I could go to somebody and say the words, what you just said is ridiculous. I, I, I could do that. But you and I both know, especially the longer that we live, my ability, my ability to change Ross Cooper really is slim, if any at all. I got to trust that God, if, he, if God's going to, yeah, Sandy's still working on it, and it's been a long time. But for me to change Ross is impossible. I can't do that. There's no ability that I have because Ross, like myself, is internal. Ross, Ross lives into his own understanding of truth, his own understanding of the world around him, his own understanding into reality. I can change me, though. And I can reflect on who I am. And how I engage in the world around me. And I can confess to you this morning that when it comes to some of the differences that God has made in people around me, including, and this passage this morning is specifically about the body of Christ, it's even in the body of Christ that I have a lot to learn, a lot to grow in, and a lot to be sanctified in. God being made more Christ-like today. So I want to encourage all of us not to hear this message and to think, boy, that's something that blank needs to hear. I don't want you to hear that that way. Like, I really need to make sure that I I, I copy and paste the sermon link so that this person can hear it. Copy and paste the link and send it to yourself and listen again. That's where we want to go today. And we're going to jump in this morning to God's word in Romans chapter 12. And we'll be beginning by reading the first two verses there. These are verses that have many of you have probably heard, at least these first two. And they're powerful to frame our conversation today. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy... To offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. It's interesting that Paul is opening a portion of his letter to Rome about how they live within the body together by forcing and challenging the Romans to look in the mirror first. 
He's asking them, how are you doing with this? Are you offering yourself as a living sacrifice to God, holy and pleasing? Are you willing to let your mind be transformed by God's truth and God's light and God's life for you in Jesus Christ? Because if you are not, and we, this is not there in the text explicitly, but certainly implicitly, implicitly, if you are not willing, then these other things ahead are going to be really hard for you. Why? Because you will be conforming to the pattern of this world. And the pattern of this world is to stand for yourself and not to live outside yourself and to the lives of those around you. At least to the point of sacrifice that God is asking his people to do. Certainly there are benevolent people in this world. There are people who are willing to give to charity, but God calls his people to go even beyond a check, even beyond service. He says to us, be willing to give up everything for my kingdom. And sometimes my kingdom means you give up everything for me. And he's also calling the believers to live in contrast to a world that tells them otherwise. Remember, this is a book, this is a letter that is written to Rome. Rome is, at this point, the cultural acme of the world. And it's just sort of rising into that place. It is a place of power. They more or less control the known world. They, they have a far reach. A Caesar, if a Caesar says a word, people can die. And in that culture, we certainly know if we've studied Roman culture, that over the course of Roman culture, there was a whole lot of judges' behavior, as we talked about before. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Now, we're still early on in the Roman Empire, and so some of the things like the sacrifices in the arena, that the height of that is still to come. So some of the things like, like some of the sexual mores of, of Rome that was so loose and crazy sometimes, some of those are still to come. But Paul knew that the Roman culture was certainly a place that in its capacity to affect the believers could take them down a road that was not a road of self-sacrifice. And he's saying, don't go there. What about the world that we live in? What about the world that we're surrounded by? We're surrounded by a world that oftentimes will give us plenty of different... Think about what today is. Today is Sunday, but we know that it actually has a different name, right? It's Super Bowl Sunday. God bless you. Go Eagles. That's just for one person, and I might get punched later on. <clears throat> That's all right. What's a huge part? There's a huge part of the Super Bowl, though, that, that we can talk about today in a world that tells it, the messages of this world. It's the messages we're going to be hearing throughout the entire Super Bowl, right? The Super Bowl ads. What is the purpose of an ad? To sell you stuff. 
To tell you that you need something that you don't have in order to be happy. And today, that is a huge focus of our culture. There will be more Facebook book posts today about commercials. There will be tons of articles tomorrow reviewing the commercials. There will be cultural dialogue about the message of the commercials. All for you and I to be told where you are right now is not good enough. You need something more. And God is telling us here, Don't go there. Don't live into that. Listen to my message. And my message is this. That in me, you have enough. If you are but willing to sacrifice who you are. And allow me to come in and make you who I will make you to be. For us to live then into this new idea. Especially then as we think about our relationships one to another. Let's continue verse three. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, and teach. It's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. Now Paul here, he's talking about, and this is really important, friends. He's talking about relationships within the church. He's using body of Christ language. Because Paul knows that for us to focus on how we interact one with each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, it's important to think about that for the world around us. But for us to really think and spend time, pray and discern about the body of Christ is so very important. So he's calling us here to body of Christ conversation. And he's saying, I've made each of you differently. Some of you have different gifts. Prophecy, some of you have generosity, some of you have mercy, some of you have teaching. And he's saying to us, now live within those gifts in a way which gives testimony to the world around you of who God really is because that's really the best way that you and I have to affect the world around us. See, we have a problem oftentimes in the church, right? One of those big problems is is that people look at the church and say, why should we think that what you're saying is true? You can't even get along with each other. All the church does oftentimes is fight. I mean, you look at some of the classical conflicts around the world. Oftentimes it's believers fighting other believers. A lot of the African conflicts right now are believers fighting other believers. Certainly the Middle East has had lots of that religious sort of conversation. We've had it even within our culture and there's still some of that war going on. One believer will say this about, about 
politics. Another believer will say this about politics and they're diametrically opposed to each other. So there's this sense of you Christians can't even figure out how to get along together. And what's really interesting to me is that God gives us this metaphor that should teach us something about this. It's the metaphor of what? The body, right? Now you think about your body just for a moment. Think about your body, not the person beside you, okay? Go there. Your body. Your body lives in constant tension. It really does. I'm not talking about stress. We could talk about stress. I'm not going to. Constant tension. Let me give you an example. To do that, to lift the glasses from here to here, there needs to be tension. My muscles tense. There's a flexing. Some cells contract, others expand. In order for my body to be effective, there does need to be tension. In order for my body to be effective, I need to have parts of my body that are designed to take things in for my energy. And I also need parts of my body that are diametrically opposed to that for the absolute other purpose. For us to hear that God gives us the metaphor of a body for the church, for the body of believers, means that we don't get frustrated by people who are different than us. We don't get frustrated by the fact that there are people that disagree with us on some things. We don't get frustrated or challenged by this idea that not everyone is always on the same page, but we actually celebrate it for the simple reason that that's part of the way a body is designed and for us to then live into that body design in how we live. There are people in this room, if we were to do the, the big graph of how you have voted, let's just say how you have voted, and let's take some big issues. We'll take abortion. Are you pro-abortion? Are you not pro-abortion? Are you pro-Black Lives Matter? Are you not pro-Black Lives Matter? Are you pro-traditional view of women in the home? not traditional view of women in the home. And you were to say, how did you vote in the last election? You, and going according to these, these ideas, so how did these things play out in your thinking about politics? We would find believers, listen to me, believers who are diametrically posed on almost all those things, if not all of them. There's people who claim the same Jesus. And they might probably even voted for the same candidate. Believe it or not, I guarantee you, you can find people like that. So if that's the case, the tension has to not be like fought against and said, we don't want that. We need everyone to believe the same way. We instead live into the reality of saying everyone contributes to the body in their own unique fashion and we allow the body then to grow and discover I cannot get bigger muscles unless I live into tension. I have to exercise, right? That's part of growing. In the body of Christ, we cannot grow unless we live into some of that tension. And Paul is reminding us here that God designed that in us. So let's relish it. 
Let's move towards it in a way that cherishes. I don't get frustrated by the people I disagree with. In some way, I give God thanks for it. Because then there are people who can do things that I can't do. Like, I don't know, serving. I can't serve here. They can. I can't teach here. They can. I can't show mercy here. They can. In their own unique way. And we relish that. We celebrate it. And we give God praise for it. That's the challenge here of Paul. Verse 9 through 16, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves, never being lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Are you hearing sort of the hammer blow of Paul here? One after the other. Bam, 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 bam. Love must be sincere. Be devoted to one another. Practice hospitality. One after another of a command, series of commands. And you know what they all are? Every single one? Outward focused. They are outward focused for us to live into relationship that is godly and loving and caring for those around us. It's not inward focused. He's saying here, Paul is saying here, God is saying to us here, you want to exhibit a life that is a living sacrifice to me. I've given you everything. I gave myself up for you. I did all these things so that you might have life. Now go and do likewise for each other and then you're living into your spiritual act of worship because that's my good, pleasing, and perfect will. The problem that we often have, and I certainly, the mirror is right here today, friends, that I do focus on me. That I don't want to give up myself too much. I don't want to give up my, my, I don't want to give up my control, my power. I don't want to give up my ability to be right. Instead, I hold on to it and I cherish it and I relish it instead of giving myself up for another and say, how is it that I can serve you? You see these these sorts of, of, of modifiers that Paul puts here has to be sincere. Love has to be sincere. For us to sincerely love one another gives us this powerful word, devoted I'm devoted to another, including another who is, is very different. Than, I'm willing to give up myself for that person and devote myself to their well-being. I'm willing to honor another above myself. This is a sacrifice, self-sacrifice passage over and over again. And for us to hear that as the body, because that's what Christ did for us. Love others. Honor others, share with others, bless others. One command after another calls us to give up ourselves for others. Why? Because that's what Christ did. That's what he did. And now he calls us to do likewise. Verse 17, do not repay anyone evil for evil. 
Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends. Leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Is there anyone that, like me, really wants to go to Washington and give this portion of the text and say, hey, you know what? If you're a Democrat, if you're a Republican, doesn't matter. Like, make a bunch of fried chicken and bring it to your opposition. And bring them a bunch of of water or juice or snapples or whatever it is they want to do and sit down and have a meal together. Instead of being enemies, love your enemy. Bless your enemy. Does anyone want to do this in parts of the world that are war-torn? Does anyone want to do this with people that are on Facebook that you disagree with vehemently? Because what do we do there, right? Think about that. We unfriend, we unlike, we unfollow. Is that a part of the calling of God? God's call is instead to bless. Hear that? Bless. Bless those who are on the other side. Bless the Muslim. Bless those who pick your political viewpoint are on the other side of that. Bless those who even hurt you and who are willing to persecute you in some way, shape, or form. But that is not a part of our earthly DNA, is it? We're looking for fight. And Kristen can tell you, God bless my wife. She is a wonderful, incredible, patient woman. She's not here this morning, so you can tell her that afterwards that I was really complimentary. She's actually in children's ministry. It's very complimentary towards how patient she is because she knows when someone comes after me, like seriously, blood pressure up, hands go into a fist, and I'm ready to duke it out. I am, almost always. For me to hear, yeah, I'm Frisian, that's right. I'm a, I'm a lot of things, by the way, George. But here's God's call, bless and do not curse. Bless. Don't go like this. Go like this. Don't be ready to fight. Be ready to love. Don't be ready for the argument Be ready to speak words of encouragement. See why this is one of those inward sermons? And I hope you're hearing this, friends, because this is so often in a very different way than we engage with the world around us. And Paul here, in terms of how the body lives together and then how we are an example to the world around us, he is calling us to live in a radical shift in how we live. Instead of living selfishly, we live sacrificially. Instead of living to protect ourselves, we're willing to give up ourselves. Because that's what Christ did. He was willing to die. 
so that you who were his enemy, an enemy of God, had a way to life. So much so that you and I are then called to go and do likewise. Let's pray together. Hope of the world in Jesus Christ. We pray, Father, that you do work on our hearts and in our minds. That, Father, we are willing to sacrifice ourselves before you and in the hearts and in the lives of others because that's what you have done for us. That we are willing to bless those who are very different, that we disagree with, that we would even call enemies sometimes, that we would, we would think of those who have hurt us or their perspective has hurt us. And Lord, challenge us, move in us, transform us, that we might instead impart blessing to them, might love sincerely, might be devoted to the well-being of those around us. And Lord, that is an absolutely countercultural calling. It is so hard to do. It's hard for us not to try to stand strong for what we believe in so much so that we have to be right. Lord, instead, may our standing for what be, we believe in be strengthened by how we then love one another. Father, we pray that you do this work in us because you're the only one who can. We pray that you do it today. In Christ's name, amen.